Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Cryptique, where we discuss all things paranormal, occult, UFOs, metaphysical, hidden history, forbidden archaeology, and all things truther. I'm joined, as always, by my brother on this journey through the cosmos. Ryan, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm ready. I'm excited. We have a, I might say, a deep dive in my topic tonight. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, so we're going to do things just a little bit differently, and hopefully you guys will email us and let us know if you like this better, if you like you know, the guests, or if you like the shows where we just kind of present together. We need some feedback so we can give you guys what you want, right? So give us a, a little suggestion on what you like best at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out all our cool merch at crypticpodcaststore.com. And you can buy us a coffee, just a small little one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash PI. Now, let's get into it. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about Dicenin, and it has been pronounced many different ways. I like Dicenin, so that's what we're going with. All right. So Dicenin is, yes, you guessed it an enigmatic die that has captivated imaginations for its extraordinary ability to unlock hidden dimensions, allowing individuals to peer into the astral worlds, perceive auras, and encounter beings on higher frequency levels. So the red eye uh, lenses are easy on your eyes if you're just having a bad, you know, like a headache or something like that. You know, you can get these red tint glasses for a few bucks on ebay or timu or whatever and they do kind of help relax your eyes uh just throwing that out there just a little gimmick we thought about ordering some of the uh and goggles online but they're expensive and i really don't want to pay you know 50 100 bucks for something that's essentially a toy right yeah. So, so I'll pay a couple bucks for some red lens glasses just for a cheap uh, a gag. laugh. Yeah. So in the early 20th century, a man named Walter John Kilner embarked on a groundbreaking scientific exploration of the human aura. So maybe we should talk about the aura a little bit. So the aura is basically you have a life force which people that can see auras like myself can see it, it appears as white. If you just kind of soft focus on somebody, you can see kind of a white, um, almost like a shimmer around them. And that's going to be their life force. And then if you continue, if you have these goggles or if you just, I mean, anyone can do it. I think you just have to practice. Uh, you can see, a color aura, which may let you know something about that person. It may let you see, you know, uh, this person's angry today. So this is how I need to interact with them. Or if you're making a sales pitch, this person is sad, you know, so you can say something to cheer them up, that sort of thing. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, it marked the first systematic examination of auras, revealing three distinct emanations, the etheric double, the inner aura, and the outer aura. 
Kilner's meticulous research demonstrated the impact of illness on the color and size of auras, laying the foundation for the scientific study of this metaphysical phenomenon. So he was basically trying to figure out if you could use different kinds of dyes, different kinds of uh, photographic imagery to detect illness in people. So keep in mind, this was a long time ago and, you know, modern medicine was really still kind of in its infancy, but through that we got auric glasses and auric goggles and they emerged as a visionary tool crafted with Dicenin to filter out white light from the spectrum. This innovation enabled wearers to perceive auras, providing a glimpse into the unseen energetic field surrounding living beings. So they have used red and green goggles uh, for red light therapy, and it has been shown to reduce inflammation, strain, and stress. Hmm. When deploying red goggles, there's no need to switch between day and night modes, and red light can enhance awareness and provide cellular energy to the eyes. On the other hand, green light enables us to perceive more shades of green and has a soothing effect on the eyes. Uh, so we're going to get into some of the uh, guts, I guess, of what these goggles are meant to do. So when you think of night vision, what do you think of, Ryan? I usually think of green. Green or gray. Yeah, yeah. Gray is uh, less common, I think. But yeah, I think everybody, when we say night vision, you think almost of the uh, bright green um, yeah. enhancement. Yeah, although I guess what I'm thinking of with gray might be uh, like infrared cameras or whatever it is that they have on planes. <clears throat> when you see yeah. this footage where it's like uh, like the Tic Tac. The mm -hmm. footage of the Tic Tac is black and white, I believe. Yeah, I think so that's that IR, not it's thermal. Yeah, yeah. So that's thermal that detects heat, and image enhancement converts photons into electrons, transmitting them through an image intensifier tube to project an image visible through the eyepiece. So, like you said, you can see in black and white, or you know gray and black, you know, depending on how hot the target is. Um, and then you can see in green or red, not, not really red anymore, but uh, green, and that enhances the image. So let's get into how different colors vibrate. So if you picture yourself looking at Roy G. Biv, only you're looking at it backwards. So at this point, you have violet on the left and red on the far right, right? So when we're using green, we can see more green colors than any other color. Yeah, more shades of green are discernible, right? Perfect, right. So when we get into the red though, like everything that you're going to see in the range of green that you would see in these night vision goggles, if it were daylight, you would see that too, right? Not, not the green and uh, black, but you would be able to see all that stuff in daylight. But 
if you get into the red, you're getting to what basically is the limit of our vision. So, all right, uh, how am I going to orient myself? Oh, my right hand doesn't show up or my left hand doesn't show up. <laughs> That's not going to work. But basically, if you can't see every shade of red, you can see every shade of green, but you mm -hmm. can't see every shade of red. But when you put these goggles on, they start to bring in some of that red light spectrum that you can't see and push it over to where you can see. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing things in this red light vision that you could not see in daylight. That's, I don't think that's disputed, right? Like we can dispute what we're going to talk about, of course, yeah. but I don't think that it's disputed that, that these allow you to see more than you could see in regular daylight. If you were, you know, in this same situation, in this same spot, does that, am I making sense? I feel like, yeah. Okay. So basically with these red light goggles, you are getting a little bit more vision than you would normally have. So that's what we're seeing. Okay. So that's, like I said, I don't think that that is disputed. Now, why would we use red over green? Uh, green is very soothing to the eyes and you can see more shades of green. So that is going to probably be a, a better choice, right? But why would they pick red? Well, they pick red because when, like, say you're in daylight, okay, um, or, or in dusk, whatever, low light, and your eyes are adjusted, boom, you put the red light goggles on, you're ready to rock. You don't have to adjust. You don't, there is no adjusting to the red light. It just, mm -hmm. you lock in and you're ready to go. Whereas if you put on the green goggles, you lose a couple seconds. And that may, may not seem like much to you and me when we're out in the woods looking for Bigfoot or deer or Nuende or Duende or whatever. But when you're in the military, a bullet can go a long way in a couple seconds, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's an important factor. We have talked to people. Uh, we, we had a guest on, I, I believe that it was Mark Anthony that told us about how we use rods and cones. Um, and we use the uh, rods to basically see movement and we use it in low light in peripheral vision. But I, I, I do know that these these rods are what we uh, talked about being able to detect ghosts or whatever. That's kind of just a, a a brief history on what we're talking about. That's that's not super important, but I do think it needed to be discussed. So before we get into super fun stuff, let's talk about government intervention. So half the podcasts and YouTubers out there they claim. <gasps> Dicean is banned, so we can't know about other dimensions. But they found better ways to achieve what they wanted, like cheaper and easier. It would be easy to come on here, Ryan, and 
so fear and so you know, so excitement and bring people in and be fantastical and fun to listen to and be a, a, you know, a fairy tale podcast. But we are cryptique, so we don't want to just fly off the deep end, right? This is not what you're hearing about this this is not something where it's like the government's like no this is banned no one can ever learn about this because if they do our whole world would fall apart mm. they just found a way to do it that was cheaper and easier so who can blame them right i mean if if you're trying to achieve something and someone says hey we can do it for 500 dollars per camera lens and you can get this effect or they say i can do it for a dollar 50 which one are you going to pick it's pretty yeah. simple um, if they have the same results and i think they do now i don't know why other than to just be fantastical that people would say all this on podcasts and youtubes and stuff like that the only thing that i found that said that dicenin is banned is I googled, uh, it was something along the lines of like Dicenin legality map or Dicenin illegal map. And so something pops up, right? Let me show you what pops up, Ryan, because this is importante. But basically what popped up is a map, a world map, and it's got on the bottom, it's got blue legal, you know, orange uh illegal but decriminalized red illegal and criminalized whatever and, it, and it's got all the countries and it's got all the states and it's like oh it's banned here it's banned here it's banned here but if you look in the corner it says cannabis so that's the only thing i could find besides people randomly just saying that this dye is banned that is an actual online source that says that this dye is banned, but when you pull it up, it says cannabis. Hmm. Come on, man. Look at the fucking map before you just start saying this kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, and I didn't go through with the purchase, but if you Google buy DiceNN, it's like the fifth uh, thing that shows up. You can go on and order it. And I don't know if this is the exact same stuff that was used in the goggles we're going to talk about, but the dye is not banned, right? Yeah, I just Googled, I just Googled dye CNN, and the first thing that comes up is Etsy. Yeah, or it's a trick. And the government is keeping an eye on who buys this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. They want to collect your Etsy account information. It could be. Uh, he also ordered a counterfeit Star Trek uniform on Etsy. I gotta get nice. it's too dangerous boat. to be left alive <laughs> but anyway it, it's just it's not illegal guys it's not and that's great you know why because you can order your dicean in mm -hmm. you can do these experiments and you can send us the videos and we'll play them on a on a youtube broadcast because yeah. it just is what it is it would be great if this story had Dicenine banned, that'd be great, but it's just not true. So I can't, 
we can't put that out there. It would be so nice to just be like, oh, it's so scary and, and dark, but it just is what it is. So let's talk about the extraterrestrial connection. So Russian researcher with a great name, Valdemar Valerian, brought forth claims suggesting that certain extraterrestrial humanoids possess a distinct dark blue egg-shaped aura. DICNN became associated with the ability to unveil beings disguising themselves as humans, resonating with themes depicted in films like They Live and Valerian. Uh, they Live is, have you you've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Long time yeah. ago. Great, great movie, man. They uh, put these glasses on and they can see the truth. Pretty cool. Yeah. So counterfeit glasses claiming to reveal auras are all over the place online. And if you want to go on and, you know, waste your money and buy one, that's fine. But they're not the same thing as what these original or glasses were. So I would, I would do a lot of research before you buy anything like this. Uh, but we'll tell you about the uh, helicopter gunners seeing demons after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So, in the Vietnam War, an intriguing account added another layer to Dicenian's mystique. A platoon leader and officer reported the use of an experimental viewing device. Instead of the conventional green hue, this device revealed a different environment in red. According to an individual named Cliff High, that's right, his father <laughs> served as a Vietnam officer in a chopper squad where they were issued image enhancement goggles. But these goggles reportedly caused officers to become quarrelsome with each other. So that's the first thing, right? They put these on. And for whatever reason, and this is all coming from Cliff High. So this is shaky ground, <laughs> right? Uh, but it's a great story. So they they started arguing with, with each other, fighting with each other, and this was noticeable. I have never been in battle. I can't imagine what it's like. I can't imagine putting my life on the line every day. I can't imagine getting shot at by people you can't see in a place you don't want to be for a war that you don't believe in. And I could see how all that could cause you to become quarrelsome as well. But I guess that they noticed that it kind of uh, kicked off a little bit more with these uh, red goggles. Mm -hmm. So they were instructed that only the gunners were permitted to use the red night vision goggles. And we'll show you some uh, pictures, some slides also of these gunners. They, they basically were on these Huey helicopters that were uh, troop transports. And so they would fly these helicopters in with troops on them, drop them off in a field and fly away pick people up, pick up the injured, you know, stuff like that. And these gunners, uh, their job was to provide cover fire and they had 50 caliber machine guns. So serious, serious weaponry, uh, but only the gunners could use them. So during, and you'll hear also in these other podcasts, oh, it was, it was fighter pilots in Vietnam in these dogfights that use these red goggles. Not true. 
We don't even know for sure what branch of the military used these. We don't know if it was Army or Navy, uh, but it was definitely only gunners in these Huey helicopters. So during some flights over what was considered a peaceful area, uh, maybe not, you know, as friendly as, uh, you know, your backyard, but a place where you wouldn't expect to find a lot of uh, Charlies, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So during a flight over one of these peaceful areas, one of the gunners began shouting and yelling about the monsters. So what did these monsters look like? Well, first of all, when they saw these monsters, what'd they do? What do you think they did? What would you do if you saw a monster and you had a 50 caliber machine gun? Yeah. If I'm a gunner, I'm going to gun. Right. Gunner's going to gun. <laughs> That's right. So imagine you're flying one of these other helicopters and you're not wearing these goggles. And all of a sudden you start, you're in the air and there's all this machine gun fire, but it's not going down. It's going up, out across. And so these other choppers have to take evasive action. And the pilots basically suspected that these gunners were high on heroin, which was obviously a big problem in, in, uh, Vietnam. Uh, so when one of the officers put on these, uh, goggles, he reportedly witnessed flying red humanoid creatures resembling gargoyles potentially appearing red due to the goggles. Now, they said that they were red monsters, red demons, red gargoyles. But if you're only seen in black and red, well, they're going to appear red. So they don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's their natural color or whatever. But anyway, so he realized that they could see him. So that's the scary part. It's when you hit this frequency, they know that you're there. It's not that you can just see them. It's that they can see you. And that's pretty scary. So they didn't necessarily attack. Now, when I'm saying attack, I'm thinking of these, you know, flying creatures uh, flying at the helicopter and maybe grabbing onto the landing gear or like trying to push it sideways or something. There was no reports that they had any kind of weapons, just that they were flying gargoyles. Pretty scary. But uh, so how long do you think that these red light goggles were in use? Maybe two or three trials. <laughs> 60 days. The government withdrew the red goggles and they have not been used since. Despite government reports on night vision tech, there's no mention of the red goggles or the reported incidents. So that's not out there. This is Cliff High reporting all this. The specific branch to which these gunners belonged, whether Navy, Air Force, we have no idea. So the sniper scopes with night vision were available as early as World War II, and night vision technology became increasingly sophisticated throughout the Vietnam War. Uh, The creatures observed were not described as actively attacking the helicopters, like we said. Its legacy persists in the shadows, Ryan, inviting contemplation about the limitations of human perception, the mysteries that lie beyond, and the potential transformative power of substances that challenge the boundaries of our understanding. Final thoughts on Dicenin after a quick break. 
Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So what do you think? What are your thoughts on uh, this magic dye potion that lets you see into other universes or dimensions? I, I'm interested in the story. I think it's really cool. I've heard it before. I haven't heard it as thoroughly as you told it or heard as much about the goggles. What I heard was mostly just, oh, they experimented with these night vision goggles in the 70s. And people started seeing monsters and stuff, and it made me think of They Live. Like, I assume that's where the idea, one might have inspired the other. I don't know if this is just an urban legend that Cliff uh, Cliff High came up with. You know, maybe it's from seeing the movie. Who knows? He's got videos on YouTube, but I, I'm they're about weird other random stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I do like the idea of like, I mean, what you said is true. We can see less red than we can see green. Mm-hmm. We can see like 40 something shades of green. You know, I remember Mm-mm. reading. That no, 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 no. You want to know how many shades of green we can see? How many? It's more than 40 with, um, so I'll, I'll just, I, I didn't think this was important, but I, I guess it's kind of interesting. Uh, so basically if you are, don't quote me on the numbers exactly, but you have as a man, three sets of rods and cones as a woman I believe you could have up to six. Hmm. And so there's women out there, not men that we know of anyway, uh, that can see somewhere like, I want to say like 10 million different shades of color. Whereas, and I know mathematically this sounds weird, but whereas like with three, you can see like, what did I say? 10 million? 10 million. Yeah. And with three, you can see about a million. So there's people out there. I forget what they're called. It's Tetra, Tetra something that can see like 10 million colors. And you can go online and you can look up uh, like paintings by people who have this. And the difference is insane. And there's pictures out there where people take a painting that have this, you know, special unique ability. And then they paint that painting is what it looks like to them. Hmm. And it's, it's really weird, but uh, so yeah, there's, there's all these different things out there that uh, about color that we perceive that we don't even really know a whole lot about, because guess what? Unless someone tells you this, have you, have you ever heard of that before? Cause I have. No, no. It explains why Kim always gets upset with me when I put the clothes away in her closet. Cause she's like, mm-hmm. how can you think these are the same color? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like they are. They look exactly the same to me. And she's like, no. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've I've literally said before, I'm a guy. I think I only I must only see like eight colors. Like, don't do this yeah. to me. And so yeah, she well, doesn't get upset because she I it may actually genuinely be a physical limitation. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because and she might be one of these people that can see this. I don't I mean I'm sure there's tests online out there for it, but how would she know? Yeah, she would just assume that everybody can see that. And that's why she's like, what's wrong with you? How can you not see that this green and this green are completely different? And to you, it looks exactly the same. But to her, it would be like blue and red. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's there was an episode of Star Trek I was watching recently where they 
somehow hook Jordy's visor up in a way where like the Enterprise would be able to see through his eyes on certain away missions. Mm-hmm. But they're seeing what he sees, which is like this weird amalgamation of different spectrums that are being put into like a visual signal for his brain. Right. And they're like, what is this? And he's like, that's this piece of equipment or what's that? And he's like, oh, that's data. Like that's commander Riker. And he's like, well, why does data look that way? And he's like, cause he's an Android. So like, he has this big aura around him and he's like, yeah, don't you guys all see that? Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. No, cause Jordy's been in the show blind his whole life. And that's the only way he's ever seen. So he's like, doesn't everybody see an aura around this kind mm-hmm. of thing or this kind of glow? Or like if you had, uh, honestly, the I have smart bulbs in a lot of the lamps and stuff in the house. And in the bedroom, I have two lamps in there that have smart bulbs as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time when we're getting ready for bed and we're trying to get Rose to calm down and everything, we put on blue light because it's very like soothing. I, at least I find it that way, very soothing. But you see things that you wouldn't normally see. Like some shades of blue light will like, it's almost like black light in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you see like blemishes or freckles or something that you didn't know you had or that you had as a kid that faded. So it does make sense that like something that shifts that red spectrum more towards visible would, you know, I think it'd be more reasonable if it's like, well, I started seeing thing like symbols drawn on my walls or something. Yeah. Rather than I saw Goliath from Gargoyles flying around my helicopter. Well, you, we see this in investigations. They always use alternative light sources to find blood, semen, uh-huh. uh, any kind of DNA, fibers, you know, these black lights, all kinds of stuff. Alternative light sources provide different reactions for your eyes. And yeah. it's, it's commonly used. I would love if, uh, oh man, if we could just get like Hasseltine on this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey doc, can you make us some uh, aura glasses, please? Yeah. Um, I feel like someone like him could, you know, maybe push that spectrum out a little bit. And I mean, who knows what, what if we are, okay, let's assume this is hundred percent accurate. What if we're seeing, three shades of red that we can't see but what mm. if somebody could make it that you could see 500 shades of red that you yeah. couldn't see before what would we see then yeah yeah the only reason i ever knew about the green thing was i was curious in school as to why old displays usually displayed green mm-hmm. and it was because on a monochrome display we see the most shades of green so it was the most useful Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's literally the only reason I had any idea that there were, like, differences in how many shades of green versus blue or red you can distinguish. Gotcha. We all had, well, not all of us, but all of us our age had that first computer that was in night vision, right? <laughs> like you said, yeah. black screen, all different shades of green. Beautiful. Yeah. I've got one on the shelf. <laughs> so got an old Apple II out there. So, let's assume that Dicenin allows us to see into the spectrum. There's videos out there. There is a man um, that I don't know if he bought it, if he made it, how he got it, but he has uh, videos where he is, uh, he's got a filter 
on his camera that is allegedly a Dicenon filter. And uh, hmm. yeah, there's not much that shows up. I, I mean, he's, you know, it's one of these things where you watch these videos and they're like, see, and you're like, no, not at all. And they'll put, you know, like a, a green light around it in this case or a green circle and see, uh, no, it looks exactly like a board. That's what it looks like. Now, I don't know what you're seeing. Please tell us, are you wearing Dicean and goggles when you're looking at this? <laughs> because all I see is a house and I, I just, I don't know, man, I've had it with these videos where it's like, you know, you got to put a red, red circle around. If you got to put a red circle around something, you know, it's, it's not evidence. Probably too subtle to be relied on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a picture of um, survivor man just walking, you know, he holds his camera and stuff and, and clearly it's just foliage behind him, but they circle this thing. And they're like, see, he's following him the whole time. Come on, man. Give me some real evidence. This is why nobody pays attention to any of the paranormal stuff because of these stupid videos where they have to have a, a red thing around it to show what's showing up. Yeah. I don't know. If it's real, it's scary as hell, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like the idea of it. I mean, I to me, there's something comforting about the possibility of this stuff existing. Hmm. That the world isn't really just what we think it is. And this is it. Sure. Like what you see and is what's real and that's it. Nothing beyond it. No other possibilities. I wasn't hoping for gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. Gargoyles wasn't on my wish list, but. It would be better if they were like, hey, there's 10,000 different kinds of butterflies you can't see. And it's beautiful. Just put on these goggles and you'll see a, you know, a flock or a whatever you call it, a bunch of butterflies. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, you get to see demons. Oh, great. Oh, good there's that for my day but this is something where you guys need to uh yeah spend your money buy some uh orc goggles and uh let us know what you think Man. but i i think that wraps this one up i mean it, it could very well be that it's true but there's just such limited information that i don't think we can say fact or fiction mm-hmm. but it's a cool story it is yeah, yeah, that is a really cool story. Okay, so I have a suggestion from Jay, which is to cover Mel's Hole. <laughs> which no matter what we say about Mel's Hole, it makes us laugh. Uh, Mel's Hole is wonderful, glorious, uh, deep, enigmatic. I mean, what what else? Rejuvenating. Rejuvenating, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that. All right, so Mel's Hole is named for Mel Waters, who first made this story known in 1997 in an appearance on Coast to Coast uh, back during the Art Bell days. Mel claims to have owned property in rural Washington near a city called Ellensburg. And he said that on this property was a mysterious hole. It was ringed with a brick perimeter, kind of like a well or a fire pit might be. He said that that brick or stone went down about 15 feet. And after that, it was just earth. Now he talks about that. This is a well-known hole. (laughs) 
Everybody around uses it. They all know about it. They don't go like use normal trash service. They just dump all their stuff down this hole. And he starts off by saying that it's weird that it's been used for so long and it's never filled up. But he also says they've never heard anything actually hit bottom when they're dumping things into it. So that's kind of the most mysterious thing. That's the thing that'll kind of set you off first. He uh, tells Art that he's like a fisherman. So one of the things that he wanted to do was try to experiment with it. He tries first to, I think, drop uh, lifesavers down, like candy. Just puts fishing line through it, drops it down, and assumes... At first I thought it was maybe the only thing he had around, but it sounds like the purpose of it might have been to see if there's water at the bottom of it because the candy would be wet or deformed or it'd be dirty in some way because it's white. And when he pulled it back up, he dropped down a full spool and it was fine. It was dry. It was clean. It was unbothered by it. What did he say? He said that he put, I think, five spools together. He put a one pound weight, five spools, and lowered it down what he claims would have been 80,000 feet or about 15 miles. And my thought, I don't know if you listened to this as well, but my thought was, how would you ever reel that back up? Like, first, how long would it take to drop that down, and how would you ever reel that back up? It just seems so unlikely. Unless you had a way of hooking, like, a power drill to it and just (laughs) reel that stuff up. But I feel like even then you would end up cutting like the loops on a fishing pole with the heat of that line coming in so fast. Well, well, some of them have rollers on them. If you get like a deep sea rod, they'll have rollers on them. So it won't, um, it won't affect that. But when you see people like deep sea fishing, they're pouring water on the reel the whole time because it's, it's so much, like you're saying, it's just so much heat being generated that, yeah, it would just melt the line. But here's what I do. And I'll shut up after this. You put that weight on it, you put a bobber on it, drop it. And when it goes slack, you know exactly how deep you are. Right. Mm -hmm. But what'd you say? Eight miles, 15 miles, 15, 15 miles is what he said, I believe. Now, how much is a, uh, standard spool of line. I mean, he wouldn't even be able to fit it all on a fishing line or on a, on a reel. No. Of a... He would have to like, let it go, then hook up another line to it. And then, you know, put that on his, uh, on his reel and then let that out and then untie it, tie it up and put another, cause you can't fit 15 miles of fishing line on your, spool i would assume not yeah i mean he said it was eighty thousand feet so that would be sixteen thousand feet per spool i don't know i mean unless he had like he'd have like one he'd have like a crab arm from doing the reeling right like one well, arm would be like arnold schwarzenegger and the other yeah. arm would be like me <laughs> <laughs> well he didn't i uh, to that's how credit, we find mel that's how we find him. We look for the guy with the giant right with arm. With the big, like, fighting and feeding arm. Yes. Yeah, we didn't... I mean, for to his credit, he didn't say that he used a fishing rod to do this. He just talked about dropping line down. Yeah, he said it was 80... 
80,000 feet, which I just checked the math. That does work out to a little over 15 miles. I did see in my research uh, a scientist claiming that that is so deep that the heat from the Earth's mantle would have melted any fishing line or any kind of like candy or anything, you know, more delicate that he had put down there. Yeah. But his claim is nothing ever hit bottom. Um, strange phenomena around it, including a neighbor whose dog died, which is where you started making pet cemetery jokes when we first talked about this, mm-hmm. that the guy, I assume just unceremoniously dumped this dog down a pit. And when, when mine and Kim's goldfish died, we buried them because they got big. I mean, they were like six inches long, some of them. But I couldn't imagine dumping a dog down a hole and then be like, do I hear anything? No? Okay. Like, that's odd, isn't it? Like, that's a big dog. Right. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it was maybe like a farm dog or because yeah i mean i i I mean our dogs are you know we get them cremated and we bury their ashes and i mean you know we love dogs on this show and we we wouldn't do them like that but what happened well the guy supposedly reported that he saw the dog running around in the woods that the dog came back to life was somehow alive and delivered back out of the pit and was okay so they're suspecting that there's some supernatural uh phenomena they some juices juices yeah. in mel's hole oh, God. Uh, another thing that he talks about is having found a bag of dimes and he says that they're roosevelt dimes and at first he doesn't really notice anything about them apparently one of his hobbies is building or building making belt buckles gotta love it which is a a hobby i've never considered having before but it's whatever i mean people get you know do what you're gonna do Hmm. but he starts using them in that you know using these old roosevelt dimes and belt buckles whatever uh not thinking about the fact that these supposedly say that they're from 1943 because most I mean, all coins in the U.S. are going to have a year on them. And I can even search Roosevelt Dime and see what dates they came out. They're worth like $100 a piece, and he made $10 belts out of 100 of them. Yeah, so these were out from 46 to 64. And there's... So there's no real possibility that these really had 43 on them. My thought when I first read that was possibly this, there was some kind of like counterfeiting going on and these got dumped there because somebody realized that they had put the wrong date on there. But it's like, I don't know if somebody would go through the trouble of trying to like fake dimes, like actually strike a coin and choose a dime for it. Seems a little odd. Unless it was supposed to be silver and you were trying to fake people out. Mm. Yeah. So the more reasonable explanation is that this hole may be a portal to another dimension. And somebody dropped a bag of dimes down and it just I like I like to imagine it's like Portal, the game. They just dropped a bag down and they just whoop came up on the other side. That's awesome. From from some version of Earth where the Roosevelt dime, you know, where Roosevelt died earlier and the Roosevelt dime came out sooner, something like that. 
Like Super Mario coming up a... (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) So after his first appearance on Coast to Coast, I think it was after the first one, Mel talks about how the government suddenly showed up on his property. Basically, there was an immediate response, he says. He at one point was trying to go home and reported on a subsequent conversation on coast to coast that uniformed officials. And actually I think he said there were a few in uh, civilian clothes as well that were from some unidentified branch of the government tried to stop him from getting to his home. They said that the reason that they were blocking off the property was because of a plane crash, which Mel said, didn't make any sense because he didn't see any smoke or any obvious signs of wreckage or any of the sights and sounds and smells that would go with that. You'd, you know, something would be burning. You'd hear equipment, you'd hear rescue people, all kinds of stuff would be going on. Uh, So he's talking to them for a while and the officials start accusing him of engaging in activities that he should not, that he's talking to people he shouldn't be, He's doing things he shouldn't be doing, and they basically threaten him by saying, you know, it's very likely that we could find a drug lab on your property somewhere. Kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. Yeah. Or we could throw you down this hole. (laughs) Yeah, but they know he'd come back. Yeah, as a monster. He'd be running around in the woods with that dog. (laughs) Yeah, they, they were saying that they could discover a drug lab if they really wanted to because he talks about that. He was using some kind of lab for trying to create, I think medicines based off indigenous traditions, essentially things to help treat colds and flus and stuff like that. So he was like, there was medical equipment. So it's really a threat that they could have come up with, but he basically wasn't having it. So they eventually, (laughs) and this is, Another thing that seems a little fishy to me, other than the bottomless hole that goes to another dimension and you know brings dogs back to life, Mel was reportedly offered $250,000 per month for an indefinite lease of his property to the government because the initial attempts failed. I mean, this is supposed to be one single conversation. This is what sounds weird to me. Like government officials, men in black, like they don't come in, threaten you, and they'd be like, oh, well, we'll give you a quarter million dollars a month for your hole. <laughs> did you Did you listen? <laughs> uh, you've been waiting for that one, man. No, it just, the opportunity just struck me. So it just popped up, it. huh? Mm-hmm. I assume you listened to the interview. I have not. I just, um, I, I downloaded it and I was like, I'm just going to give this to Ryan cause I got other stuff to work on, but can you give an impression of how he talks? Is he one of these, are you going to put some in? Is he one of these guys that's like, so you know what I'm saying? They, 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 they offered me a lot of money for my hole, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so they not came really, down, right. You know what I mean? Like that. Pushy yeah, I do. Car really like, yeah, it's it's a type of uh, bullying. 
almost. Yeah, because yes, yeah, I would say that's accurate. Coercion. It's a way of talking where it's like you can't get any, you can't get a word in. You don't have the time or opportunity to disagree or to doubt anything or to question anything. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people like that, both personally and probably a couple people on this podcast can kind of occasionally talk that way. I mean, I think that's something to give our guests the benefit of the doubt. I think it's one of those things where once you told the story so many times, it's probably one of those things that comes out that way, whether you mean it to or not. But no, I did not really get that from this guy. There were some things that he said that were kind of weird. It's like, well, you know, the officials were here and I was like, well, I've seen a plane crash before and there's no, there's no smoke or anything. I'm kind of wondering, have you really seen a plane crash in person before? Cause that's sort of statistically unlikely. Uh, and then just to think that this guy is standing up to the government, but he's not yeah. doing that. Thing not many people of, have kind of just barreling through the story. (laughs) But at the same time, Art Bell is very accommodating. He's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like Art Bell sounds like he 100% believes everything he ever hears. At least in my experience. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, the best to ever do it. Yeah, that that's how this concludes. He basically signs this lease and there are things to suggest that some of this might have really happened because he says that he moves to he's he's moving to australia to start some kind of like wildlife conservation thing and art bell has apparently said before that he did receive mail from mel from australia like postmark from australia because i mean that's pretty good proof I mean, I've received mail from other countries before. I've I've never really thought about that before. That there actually hmm. is like a mark, yeah, to show. Like I ordered some stuff on Etsy, and boop, there was a mark for Australia from New South Wales. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about that. All right, but there is more. Find out more after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So there was uh, another strange episode that happened with Mel. He was back in the okay. U.S., and this is sort of uh, the beginning of a little downfall for him. He was back in the U.S., and he was helping somebody move some kind of vehicle or do something that doesn't really matter. The point of it, though, is it sets him up to be on a bus, and he's traveling you know, between two different cities in Washington. He's back in Washington state, but he has not been living on the property or having anything to do with it. He's leasing that to the government. fucking raking in money, dog. He's been rolling, yeah, filthy, disgusting amounts of money. Would you sell Ryan's Hole for uh, $250,000 a month? Sure. <laughs> you stick whatever they month. wanted in there, drop stuff down. One of the suggestions that Mel talked about was somebody told him he should throw a cat down it, down the hole. And listen for the sound of the cats like screeching. Oh my gosh. And Art was like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I think maybe you should put a person down there and then they can like tell you what they're seeing. Presumably, like with a walkie, they can just be like, okay, still in the hole. I have my flashlight. There's red gargoyles down here, whatever. <laughs> but one of his neighbors is like, just toss a cat down. Well, that's, 
unacceptable. Uh, yeah. Fuck you or neighbor for saying that. Um, how hard would it be to just, I mean, you're making $250,000 a month, dog. Can't you just, I don't know, maybe wait a couple months and buy like a fucking Sony red camera and drop that down there. You know well, what I mean? It's like now have, money's. Yeah, but he didn't have access to the property anymore. So, but you could still put a video camera on something and drop it down there. I mean, you could get a, a, a Sony night vision back then for, you know, what, what, what year were we talking with this? Do you remember? 97. Uh, I'm sure Sony night shot was out before 97. Right? Yeah, or you that, could just put a fucking flashlight on it and, and lower it down there. You can get fishing line. That's that'll easily hold a, a nice camera and flashlight and just drop that down there and see what's yeah. going on, man. I have an old VHS camera somewhere from like 88 or 89. It's big, but it's honestly not that heavy. Yeah. Just drop that down there. Yeah. And they totally, my uncle definitely, you're, you're, you're right. My uncle definitely had like a mini VHS camera back then. He could have lowered something down. Um, but all right. He's on his way back from like a, either from Olympia or to Olympia on this bus. And he's, well, wait a minute. He's making $250,000 a month. He's and he's riding a bus. The bus. Well, he Fuck like that. drives a vehicle somewhere to drop it off. And yeah, he drives some vehicle, drops it off somewhere. And there's a bus that he knows runs between these two locations. So his plan is to just hop on the bus and take that back. No big deal. And there's some kind of disturbance. I don't remember if it was like a fight on the bus or an accident that happened outside it. It's kind of inconsequential, but something mm -hmm. happens and the bus stops and there are like authorities there. So I'm thinking okay. of the, uh, the event outside, but they start bringing people off and they're saying, where are you going? What are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm going to, I think it was like Olympia mm -hmm. and they go, okay, no problem. We'll stick you on this other bus and it'll be all good. And he says, that's the last thing he remembers. He wakes up. I think they said tw like 12 days later in an alley in San Francisco. <laughs> it gives a whole new meaning to Mel's hole. <laughs> and he wakes up. Uh, he says he's got like a couple bums around him. Who are trying <laughs> well, to wait a minute. Are we talking about bums as in homeless people, Ryan? Or we're talking, un we're talking unhoused individuals, but in the 90s. So we're not talking like British bums. He was, no, he was referring to them as bums. He said there were bombs. I'm fairly certain that's what he said, that there were bombs. No, I, I believe it. It's trying to not... wake him up because they were trying to get him to sing because he looked like, I don't know, whatever. They're, they were just like messing with him and trying to get him to be part of whatever it is that they were doing at the time. But he said <laughs> he had so no, no memory of anything that had happened. He had marks indicating that he had uh, potentially like been on an IV and had been you know, mm -hmm. induced into basically a coma and kept that way for a while. But he found that his bank accounts had been drained. Mm -hmm. His research and conservation sort of project in uh, Australia had been dismantled and all of his employees had been fired and that the land which had been leased had been seized by the government saying that he had violated some kind of zoning rules and the government just took it, you know, saying that and his thing is saying that this is probably some kind of cover up 
But I don't know, man. If they were willing to pay him that much money for however long they did, I don't know why they would bother going through all this. But I don't know if it's great to try to find too much uh, logic in it. (laughs) So he goes off. He he also... See, the story is very convoluted. Because around this time, he's also talking about that his part of the way it was seized might have to do with his ex-wife. When they got divorced, part of the settlement was that she let him keep this land. Like, they didn't think it was worth very much, but for some reason he wanted it. So he kept it. And he's saying that part of the documentation regarding the seizure of the land had to do with the uses that were allowed on that land per this divorce and the agreement that allowed him to keep it in the first place. I don't know. There's also Mm -hmm. then claims that his wife disappeared, I think, after this. And when looking at the land through, uh, what do they call it, Terra servers? Like looking at satellite views, early satellite views, like before Google Earth was a big thing, that you could see parts of the property, but you could not see the whole. The whole, like, you, everybody's probably seen Google Maps or something where they'll blur something out or just block something out entirely that you're not supposed to see, like personal information, faces, or mm-hmm. if you try to look at, like, a military License, base please. or something like that, it'll be blurred or blocked out. He said it was like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did not allow himself to be deterred by this. He went out in search of a new hole. Because, I mean... Just, one hole goes away. You got to find another find one. Find another one. So he finds uh, somewhere. Where was this? Oh, he found two. What are the odds? Yeah, finding another one very quickly. Yeah, that that sounds like total bullshit. Is this Mel Waters or John Waters? This Mel, is just such Mel a weird. Water. I know. <laughs> you know who John Waters is, though, right? Yeah. Guy with the little pencil mustache. Because he's a weirdo, too. He's probably looked at Mel's hole. (laughs) Some Mel. All right, so I don't know exactly where the location is, but he talks about a group of people called the Basque in this Basque village uh, somewhere in Nevada. But I'm not 100% sure, like, what, you know, where that is. Nevada's a pretty big Mm -hmm. space. But it's some kind of native um, location. But they find that there's a hole that's similar to his. There are <laughs> it has similar properties. It, it seems to be bottomless. Uh, it seems to potentially act as some kind of gateway. There's a lot of like spiritual reverence for it. And the community leaders are, you know, they revere it. It's It's a sacred site for them essentially well well before we go on do you mean that like he did some research and found that there's another place like this that people talk about and he went to this place yeah or okay so he didn't just he wasn't just like i'm just gonna go find a new hole and just start walking around in the woods looking for something no 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 he he researched and found that there was supposed to be another one at least that's my impression from the interviews well that would make a lot more sense than i just found another one yeah i'm the whole guy i'm i'm the whole master 
Proctology. Uh, yeah, so he goes there, and this is actually where more of the strange things happen. The one that was actually on his property was like, oh, some dimes showed up with the wrong date on them. Or this guy threw a dead dog down there, and then we saw the same dog running through the woods. It's like a lot mm. of dogs kind of look alike. You have, a, you have a yellow lab. You see another yellow lab. Like They kind of look alike, especially if they're running through the woods. But right. they conducted a few experiments and I don't understand what made them do this. But one of the things that they did was with this new hole at Basque village and it's B A S Q U E mm-hmm. is they lowered a bucket of ice into the hole to see what would happen. Maybe they were looking for heat because that one scientist mm-hmm. that I found was saying at the depth that he said he lowered stuff to, it would have melted fishing line. Right. So they lowered down a bucket of ice and then they reeled it back up. And the ice had not melted. Even when he held it in his hand, he says it was not melting. And it was, like, warm. It was room, you know, essentially, mm. not room temperature, but, you know, ambient temperature. So yeah. they brought it over to a fire and put the bucket over the fire and tried to heat it up that way and melt it. And instead, the ice ignited. Wow. So he's saying somehow this hole, or having been in the hole, has altered the physical properties or the chemical properties of this ice. And now it burns. And he was saying that it continued to burn like perpetually. It does. It doesn't stop. It's essentially an unlimited fuel source. He said, one of the people took the ice home to use to heat a cabin. And he just had it in the uh, fireplace, just burning perpetually, which is kind of cool. If you had like a little thing, a little flame and you could just throw a log in on top of that. And get a good fire going. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. It's it's so bizarre why they would think to do that, though. Like, I would like to know what other things led up to. Let's drop a bucket of ice down there. Mm -hmm. Because I know nowadays the first thing somebody would think to do would be to drop a GoPro down. Yeah. I mean, I want to do that with the lake in my neighborhood. Drop a GoPro and, like, a light down there and just see what stuff's down there because these are artificial these are artificial lakes so there might be like equipment down there that got left or things that have fallen in like old boats or something from the neighborhood like just check it out i probably wouldn't see anything i'd probably see a couple of fish and a bunch of seaweed or an 18 foot mammalian crocodile yeah (laughs) mammalian crocodile yeah they pulled it out of mill's hole (laughs) god uh, okay, so the next thing they did was they, or at least the next noteworthy thing they did was they lowered down a crate. And in the crate, they had a sheep. And I guess they just wanted to see what happened to it. So they lowered it down to some particular depth. I don't know how far. And they left it for about 30 minutes. And they could feel movement on the line. Like they knew that it was right. moving around, but they said the thing seemed terrified as it was going down, which. I mean, maybe that wouldn't matter what kind of hole it was being put down in, though. It could be a, you know, a any anything, and it would be terrifying. Yeah, sheep aren't known for their bravery, right? <laughs> so they drop it down there, and then they pull it back up, and it's dead. And one of the members of this Basque uh, tribe or group is some kind of butcher. So he's like, "Hey, let's open it <laughs> up it. and see what happened to it." So they cut it open, and what they find is that a large portion of the interior of like the, the main sort of body cavity 
is filled with like a gel. And they said the gel almost seemed to be some kind of tumor. And then other parts mm. of the body seemed like they had started to cook despite no external indications of any injury or heat or anything unusual having happened to it. Like they, they were saying from the outside, you would never know what killed this thing. But Mel says that attached to this tumor by an umbilical cord was a <laughs> uh, fetal seal. A seal? Like a... Baby! A seal. Like, like the sea creature, yeah. A fetal seal with human eyes. He was like... Yeah, they all have human eyes. You know, a cat... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah, I mean, they do have, like, those big, like... Please feed it's me It's more eyes. puppy dog eyes. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, you know what a dog's eyes, cat's eyes look like? This was this was human eyes. So, okay. <laughs> and this, I mean, that would be hard to make up. I mean, I know your line is like, no one could make that up. Well, somebody thought about Star Wars. And that's true. But that's just like, if I was making this up, I wouldn't make it so stupid. See, yeah, I even I feel like a child telling this story. Like I feel like I'm listening to my buddy's ten year old tell a story because I'm I'm right. jumping all over the place. But this is how the interview is. He's like, Yeah, we dropped a bucket of ice down there and then we tried to heat it up and it caught fire and now it's like a permanent fuel source in this guy's house. And then we threw a sheep down there in a crate and everything was cool, and then the sheep came up and the sheep was dead, and then we pulled out a fetal seal from it with human eyes. It's yeah. like this all sounds so crazy and just hodgepodge together. But apparently the seal is alive. Like this fetus is alive when they pull it out and it's kind of like looking at them and then it hops around or I don't know, however a seal moves, like kind of scoots, I guess. Undulates. Yeah. It's like dragging its tail. Like it's on a boogie board, something like that. Yeah. And it moves towards the end of the table and it's kind of looking around. And Mel says that for some reason he feels like he needs to go put it on the ground so he does he picks it up puts it on the ground it's no longer attached by the umbilical cord and it goes over to the hole and like looks back at them like thanks buddy and just like jumps down the hole it's weird it so i think what they're trying to say with it is essentially the whole alters physical properties in unexplainable and un it, ways that you can't anticipate. Right, right. You know, unpredictable. You know, ice becomes combustible and doesn't melt anymore, doesn't change state anymore. You know, a sheep becomes pregnant with a seal in some random way. Uh, it's just really strange. Mel also talks about not having any of those dimes left and wants to try to analyze them. This is another thing that seems to be somehow altered by having been involved with these holes. The, uh, the dimes are gone because he used them all in belt buckles or whatever. They were on the property, which he no longer has access to. So he starts trying to see if he can find a couple people who maybe have one of the buckles that he made, because apparently he sold some of them. And he sure. finds a guy, and it does have a 1943 Roosevelt dime in it. And he offers to buy it from the dude. And the guy is like, 
okay, I'll think about it. I'll think about selling it back to you, whatever. And then within a few days, some government official supposedly shows up and confiscates it, you know, under the pretense that the coin is counterfeit or there's something wrong with it that they can't allow it to be out in the public. Right. right. So the guy with the belt buckle missed out because now yeah. he's got nothing. He's got no yeah. belt buckle. He doesn't have Fucking any money. Pants around his ankles. <laughs> but when they were, when uh, Mel was getting ready to leave the village after these experiments, the sheep thing, the ice thing, the, uh, elder or whatever i'm not sure if it's the same red elk guy that we read about i would assume it probably is but he's saying that one of the sort of spiritual leaders for the village brings some object to him and says you know this is for you for you to look after and don't don't examine it until you're away from here so he hands him something mel takes it sticks it in his pocket and he leaves. And later when he pulls it out, it's one of those 1943 dimes. So now he has the chance to observe, you know, its properties and try to experiment with it. So he's saying that the dime becomes invisible when you move a certain distance away from it. Like you set it down on the table, you walk away from it, not visible anymore. I thought at first when I was reading about it, that he was saying that it's like the ring where you put it on, you become invisible, <laughs> but yeah. it's you, it's, it's the dime that becomes invisible, which is much less useful. Right. He also said that it is, uh, unable. It's not detectable by cameras or scanners. So there's no way to prove to anybody that he has a dime that has a 1943 date on it. That should be at least 1946. And it, it's just another one of these things that doesn't make any sense. I mean, is it, I almost want to say, is it possible for the dime to be somehow protected? If it came from another dimension, that there's something that some intelligence that's preventing us from being able to prove conclusively that it exists. Mm. But I would say probably not. I think the whole story is probably a bunch of BS. (laughs) You know, it would be great for this story hmm. is if the Basque people were like, man, are you hungry? We got some, uh, some lifesavers that just popped up from the hole. Yeah. <laughs> <some> lifesavers <laughs> or like that seal, like the, the government's watching the original Mel's hole and that seal just jumps out from it and scurries yeah. off into the wilderness looking for a way to get to the ocean. Yeah. So Red Elk, uh, just to conclude this, Red Elk, uh, who's, you know, an indigenous person, I guess, who's involved in this with this hole, who's visited it several times, believes that it leads to an underground facility and was at one point an alien hub. That Mm. there were cities, beings down there that want to take over the earth. Or whatever it is that their goal is in particular. That seems a little bit less clear. But uh, there are a number of people who have tried to find (laughs) Mel's Hole. It's puckered up. It's hard to find. So to clarify a little bit, Red Elk uh, is a shaman who is 
seemingly from where Mel originally was from and where the original hole was. So when he's talking about a hub for government work or alien activity, he's talking about Mel's hole, not the Basque hole in Nevada. <laughs> uh, so there's apparently he tried to find the hole again around 2002 and was unable to. There have been, I think, a few people who've tried to find the property based on his descriptions and try to find this hole, but nobody's been able to find it. Nobody really knows anything about it. And a local news channel did an investigation and were able to find no public records referring to anybody named Mel Waters residing in or owning any property in the county he was supposed to have been from. And then geologists Jack Powell and Pat Pringle, which that sounds like a fake name, but it's one of those things that tells me we probably are living in a simulation. <laughs> uh, they said, one, that this hole would have would definitely collapse under the pressure and heat from just the earth going down that far. There's, there's no way for an open hole that deep to exist without some kind of really significant reinforcement that we probably like a mine. Have. Yeah. Like a mine or, you know, like when they do stick something down miles and miles into the earth, it's they're coring it out. They're not digging a giant right. hole because it would just collapse. Right. And again, there's more talk about how the fishing line measurements probably, if he did it, they probably weren't accurate because no. the heat from the earth would have snapped the lines when they went down. So there's a there's a lot that's... Well, you have to think about this too. If you're lowering line down there, you know, and I, this just came to me, I talked about like, oh, you could put a camera on it, no problem. Well... 15 and three quarter miles of fishing line weighs a lot too. It's true. Yeah. He might've thought he didn't hit the bottom cause he's still feeling all this weight on it. It's just the line that's on there. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, yeah, that's a point. And that's still giving him a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am saying you made a mistake. Yeah. And I, I don't think he's been heard from since the early two thousands. There's no records of them. There's people who tried to find it, people who tried to figure out if it was real, where it would be. No dice. So I think it's probably a really good story. Like, it's a really good mystery. There's a lot of elements to it. There's intimidation, bribery, government seizing his property. But it's just a little much for me to buy into too much, you know, the government immediately going from, well, we could just discover a drug lab on here. You know, if you don't want to cooperate to we'll, we'll pay you whatever you want for the land, just go to then, you know, kidnapping him and leaving him in an alleyway in San Francisco, which it's like, that suggests potentially a whole lot of other implications, whether that was their goal to kind of mess with his credibility or what. Well, didn't MK Ultra start in San Francisco? Like that was where they did their uh, experiments with know. the honey pots and stuff. Yeah, maybe. Pretty sure it was in San Francisco. Um, it, it seems to me that why would the government do all this and then be like, we hate you so bad, we're going to fuck everything up in Australia too. All this wonderful thing that you've built with all this, uh, you know, habitat for creatures and so, no. 
No, we're getting rid of all that too. Yeah. I, I mean, would they do that? Would they go and be like, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Th- that part, I mean, I know that that's probably the most believable part, <laughs> but to me, that's one of the least believable parts. Cause why would they do that? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. If it they have a solution in- that works, like one thing I've learned from dealing with military is if you have a solution that works, don't change it. Yeah. So if they're already leasing the, the, the area and they're fine with that amount of money, why would they, like you're saying, why would they go through all this trouble, potentially bring attention to it by shutting down this foundation and firing people and doing all this stuff to him, especially when they're clearly aware that he's been on coast to coast. Yeah. Cause that was part of, I think how he argued when they were like, we, you know, we could just discover a drug lab here. He's like, well, I know Art Bell. I could go back on. I'm going to tell everything that you've done. And they're like, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We'll, we'll pay you for the. Yeah. I, I think that they would just fucking like tie him to a car and drag him off. And I, I mean, it doesn't seem like the government is in the business of trying to do things the right way. If they see something that's as crazy as this and they believe this stuff is happening, they're not going to be like, oh, well, um, we could find a drug. No, we're just going to give you tons of money. My money, your money, Ryan. Yeah. That's tax money. They're either going to pay you to get off the land or depending if it's like the rogue government agency or agent that you always see in movies, they're just going to pull a pistol out of their pocket and, be done with it right then and there but it does seem like just buying it or being like oh it's uh eminent domain we need it for like a water treatment facility or something well they could say oh that dog that allegedly came back well that's that's craziness we can't we can't just let that kind of stuff go on. We're buying, we're taking your land. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody found Bigfoot tracks on your land. We're taking it because it could be something that, you know, is, is, uh, needs to be protected, protected habitat. It could be, uh, somebody with a fake Geiger counter. Oh, we found radioactivity in this hole. You, it's not safe. You got to leave. Yeah. There's so many other ways that they would do it than, to first threaten and then be like, no, just kidding. We're going to make you a billionaire over the next 15 years, yeah. you know, whatever it works out to, but obviously not a billionaire, but you know, you're going to, you're going to do whatever you want to do the rest of your life. If you just lease this to us, Yeah, maybe all he had to do is shut the fuck up, Could you be. know, let him lease the land, but he had to go on back on our bell show and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, this story is 100% bullshit. Not saying this couldn't happen. Not saying that it's something like this has never happened. Not saying that there couldn't be a magic pit or a cave or a fountain of youth or or anything, but this just sounds like so much bullshit. Yeah. Kind of. I like it because it hints to like mysterious caves and holes and things like that, where this is the entrance to the underworld or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a modern day thing where a guy is saying he put down 15 miles of line and didn't find the bottom. Like that's so cool. It's so cool. And just like a, I love that there are mysteries out there kind of way, but I mean, those are my final thoughts on that. I think it's BS, but I think it's a really cool story and a cool urban legend. It is. Although, I mean, and there are seemingly people that buy into it. I mean, I saw YouTube videos about it where they're interviewing people. 
And uh, it might have been this red elk guy. Because there was some kind of shaman, some kind of spiritual leader who was talking about the same sort of stuff. That it's there's beings living down there. I've been to it a bunch of times. Like this hole is real. Super mysterious portal to basically a hidden world. Okay. Um, here's something. According to chat, 15 miles of fishing line, the light line, you know, the little four pound line, uh, 15 miles would weigh almost 2,000 pounds. So what's that, almost a ton? Or is 15? Okay. So then that's not five reels because that's what he said in the interview. It was five reels put together. Like you get to the end of one, I guess tie on another one and keep on lowering it. I mean, you could, I'm sure that, you know, there's stuff available that's, you know, you, you can't just go to, uh, you know, your local Bass Pro Shop and buy. You know, there's probably uh, industrial professional line, but when you're talking about line that can hold 2000 pounds, you're not talking about, you know, four pound monofilament. You're talking about steel cables. It's ridiculous. Right now. Now, is he exaggerating? Probably. Is he uh, doing some research for his exaggeration? Apparently not. Um, Okay. So yeah. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. About, 6.84 metric tons. So that would be what, like four trucks? (laughs) Like you're, you've got four Chevy Silverados hooked up to a, uh, yeah, it would take a lot. You need, you need a team of trucks to be able to pull that thing up. Oh, there, there was another sort of, um, not exactly follow up to this, but another thing that happened. Mm hmm which was he talked about the guy that brought the piece of ice home. I almost forgot about this because it was sort of almost an afterthought and it was part of the like last five minutes of it. But he was saying, and I didn't find references to it anywhere else when I was researching, although I didn't dig super, super deep on this one. Ha ha. Cause it's a joke about a hole. Uh, the guy who took, the ice still had it burning in his fireplace and he was dried out like very thirsty all the time, skin very dry all the time. They started to notice that the wood in the house looked like it was becoming dehydrated and like brittle. And it appeared that any steam that came from the ice or anything that was being melted or heated up was sort of being absorbed by the stove or by like the surrounding materials. And then Hmm. eventually the ice seems to have caused the guy's wood burning stove to collapse through the floor and get stuck into the ground. Hmm. Spontaneous human combustion. And they weren't able to get it out. And then the whole house or hut started to collapse and sink like five feet down into the ground and making another hole. And Mel claims that, yeah, maybe that's how the whole start. Mel claims that they brought out cranes and all kinds of equipment to try to get this stove out of the ground. And they couldn't do it. It's too heavy. I mean, until they brought in, until they brought in enough equipment, they, I mean, they couldn't do it by hand. They couldn't do it with one crane apparently, but they got it out and loaded it onto what he referred to as the biggest truck any of them had ever seen. 
that hauled it off. Hmm. And nobody knows what happens to it, happened to it. But somebody apparently told him that, that a lot of this is related to, this is where it got really weird. There were people telling them, and I think it was people from the Basque tribe, that basically we're going to destroy ourselves because it's likely that we'll use this burning ice in the wrong way or an inappropriate and selfish way. And aliens are watching us, and they're pretty sure we're going to blow ourselves up, either with nuclear weapons or we're going to misuse this. And that whenever this material, this ice is discovered, it like heralds the downfall of a civilization. Hmm. Like it was this really bizarre thing that was just sort of thrown in like, Oh, by the way, it's another like random twist in the story. Yeah. Like, Oh, and by the way, that guy who made a fire with it, his fireplace fell into the ground and nobody could get it out. And we had to get the biggest truck in the world to haul it away. It's a child's story. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he like hands you his bag of Haribo gummy bears. It's like, you want them? <laughs> like this good stuff, right? <laughs> What hole did those come out of? <laughs> yeah, I'm calling bullshit, Mel. I'm sorry. Um, there could be some elements that are weird. You know, that are, I don't know. Like, maybe there is some kind of strange, weird old well mm-hmm. on his property. Um, maybe the well's haunted. Maybe somebody fell in there and died. I, I don't know. But... What I do know is that that hole didn't go 15 or 16 miles into the earth. Right. Well, well, at least I know he couldn't prove that. Yeah. Okay. Um, fair. But yeah, it just seems like just so much add on BS where it's like, you know, I, I would have believed, well, no, no, that sounds like BS. No, it all sounds like BS. hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I think that, we speaking on red elk, I I don't know anything about the man. He could be a wonderful person. He could be, you know, everything that he claims, but we also assign a lot of credibility to indigenous people on some things Mm -hmm. like this. And it's like, he could be mentally ill too. He could be crazy as fuck. He could have gone there high on peyote in, and been like, yeah, it sounds sounds legit. So, I, I think that bringing in like a, a native shaman is like set dressing. Yeah, you know. Well, look, he believes yeah. it, so everybody has to. I don't understand the uh, publicity hounds that really don't have a reason. Like, I don't understand why Mel would do all this, except that he's batshit crazy. Could be. And I did just look up, uh, I almost said filament and spools, but uh, like fishing line, just random fishing line spools on Walmart's website. And a normal, like $10 or $20 spool is about 1,400 feet. Mm-hmm. So five of those would get you a little over a mile. Yeah. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. not, it's still unbelievable. Pretty damn deep. Yeah. I, I think it would be, what's the other one? Oak Island or whatever. Where there's like a mm-hmm. pit. Mm-hmm. There's a pit and at so many distances, they find like logs, like some kind of barriers, like something was buried. And then they tried to make sure it stayed down there. Mm-hmm. Like that's 
probably a little bit more credible. I mean, there's a show about it now, but that's, yeah. there's those nobody... guys are giant hunters. Oh yeah, they they were all about giants before they got into Oak Island. Like they hmm. I'm, they've done shows. I'm pretty sure they've got books and everything. Huh? I did not yeah. know that. But yeah, they've there's nothing with that that I'm aware of where it's like we're you know we we threw miles of line down and didn't hit bottom or or it's altering the properties of something or it healed my cancer he had a cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis that it it you know kind of spontaneously went into remission and he credits the hole for that this well, is an Oak island guy no no i'm talking about this is this is another mel claim okay that being around these holes potentially cured his cancer. Nobody's making claims like that. These kind of off the wall claims about Oak Island, which I think makes it more credible. If it had just been a thing of like, it never touches bottom when you throw something down or even like goblins crawl out of it at night, stuff like that. Like that would be more believable because it's not so many bizarre, unrelated things being thrown at you. Yeah, like I said, the little kid telling the story, like, and all, and also it healed my thing, and also uh, there, there might be aliens down there. Puff the magic dragon was down there. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just seems, although by the same token, why would you make it so stupid if you make it up? True. So it's either crazy, and he believes it, which is what I think, or. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, You guys are conclusively. It's too much. Mel, if you're out there, come on the show. We'd be happy to talk to you. Um, Sure, you're a great guy. Love to hear what you'd have to say. So uh, hit us up at crypticpodcast at gmail.com if you want to come on the show. Yeah. Got anything else? No. No, I, I didn't. I've been going on about this for like an hour. I know. It took a lot longer than I thought. I know it's it's there's so much to it. I researched it for quite a while and it's just so many little weird, seemingly unrelated claims that it's it's quite the rabbit hole. All right. That's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. We hope you enjoyed the show. Definitely check out our YouTube channel, which is available at Cryptique Podcast for the video versions of the shows that we're putting out, which will have slides videos, audio interviews, all kinds of different stuff. Let us know about your worst nightmares at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. And for a small one-time donation, you can buy us a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash crypticpi. Check out our slick designs on t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, pint glasses, and stickers at crypticpodcaststore.com. And remember, Fiction may have boundaries, but truth delights in tearing down walls, proving it to be the strangest storyteller of all. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Boom.